The Man Whore Podcast is sponsored by Alt Playground. APG is more than just a place to find couples to swap with. Alt Playground is a lifestyle community for all non-monogamous and sexually adventurous people to connect and share. And you know I started a profile. Join me over at altplayground.net. That's A-L-T playground.net. Now let's get to the show. Welcome to the Man Whore Podcast. Shout out to the trans tops, bi bottoms, and asexual condom fairies. This is Billy Presida, and you are listening to the Man Whore Podcast. This week, my guest is the co-host of the Shameless Sex Podcast, Amy Baldwin. And I'm really looking forward to uh, chatting with her in a little bit. But first, uh, I want to read a few messages from you fine folks. Next email comes, uh, subject line, podcast, love, and official introduction. She writes, hi, Billy. My name is Julia. I heard about the Man Whore podcast via an appearance you did on another show, then looked it up before the other one was even finished. My initial interest had very little to do with your content, though. Are you ready for this? I'm originally from Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. Whenever I hear an accent and slang from anywhere close to that area, I always get a little nostalgic. What's really neato, neato, I've never seen that word typed out. What's really neato is that you happen to sound almost exactly like one of my best friends from back in the day. Tone, word choice, everything. It's insane. Anyway, I moved away a year after graduating high school many moons ago, and this friend, Mark, he was a crazy fucker who had protected me probably more times than I know about, and he was one of the very few people I kept in touch with over the years. However, he fell off the grid a while back, and I've been missing the hell out of that kid. So when I heard you the first time on that other podcast, I had an immediate visceral reaction. I had to hear more. It was like I found a surrogate for my dear friend who's been MIA since around 2016. However, the reasons why I jumped straight into binge listening after that are pretty normal and all about your content. I've been skipping around between new episodes and old ones. It's incredibly cool to hear your emotional maturity and confidence levels change from then until now. That stuff would have been impossible to notice in weekly increments along the way. So, yay for the interwebs, and thank you for years' worth of personal stories that most people would never dream of sharing. Love it all. I'm thrilled to be a Patreon supporter and can't wait to get back to the... Oh, gosh. And can't wait to get back to the 300 or so man hours I have yet to absorb. Perhaps someday when the world no longer appears to be ending, I'll actually get off my ass to go visit my sister in Philly. I'd love to meet up to chat for a bit and hopefully give you a hug. For now, see you around the social media. Aw, Julia, you're welcome to give me a hug when, like, you know, the world is less terrifying. Come on now. Uh, no, thank you so much for such a Jesus kind email. Um, the thought that it, so many people who binge listen the show and then email me, there's always this commentary about, like, how much I've grown and changed in emotional maturity. And I go like... Fuck, how bad was I when I was 24? But I appreciate the email, Julia. Keep them coming. Don't be a stranger. 
All right, this last one's kind of cheeky. Just uh, the subject line is bumper sticker from Jamie. She's a, a longtime fan whore. She wrote in, hey, Billy, I just had someone very excitedly honk at the honk if you're into consent bumper sticker I got from you once while they were driving behind me and then multiple times when I turned into my driveway. I just hope they start listening to the podcast, too. I get random beeps sometimes before realizing it's likely because of the sticker. Well, either that or I'm cutting a lot of people off. Have a good day, Jamie. (laughs) And uh, you too can email me your comments, your questions, your criticisms, your booby pictures with uh, Man Whore Podcast sprawled across the chest. Whatever you want, send it on over to manwhorepod at gmail.com. Before we get to this week's guest, Amy Baldwin, it's time to do the Fan Whore Appreciation Moment. Okay. This is the part of the podcast where I like to send a few shout-outs to members of my fan whore community on Patreon. Uh, you just heard an email from Julia who said she just joined up and uh, she's only like 40 episodes in. What's your excuse? But this is a little portion of the show I like to give some love. I want to show some love for Matthew Bellwar, who uh, when I looked up to try to find out something about you to say, uh, I can only deduce that you are either an analyst, an aspiring blogger, or a CIA agent with no internet presence. I think two of those jobs pay pretty well. So, you know, cool, man. Thanks for supporting the show. Um, shout out to oh, Priya Strongleaf. What a name, Priya Strongleaf. There, it's, it's like there's like, it's elegant, it's classy. There's like a, 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 a touch of captivation with a name like Priya and then strong leaf. Like there's strength in that name, literally strong. And then like, just it ends very soft and whimsical with a leaf. Love it. Love it. Thanks for supporting the show, Priya. Thanks for being a member. And you too can become a member of fan whore nation for as little as $2. And you'll get to enjoy access to private sex positive discussion groups and access to bonus episodes of the man whore content a little extra access to yours truly and so much more uh become a member today seriously i think it's time that you became a member i just i think it's episode 341 you know the bill is due so become a member today for as little as two dollars at patreon.com slash man podcast that's patreon p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com slash Man Whore Podcast. And now for this week's guest, Amy Baldwin. Yes, uh, the the sex educator, coach, sex toy shop co-owner with her mom and, uh, and the co-host of the ever-popular Shameless Sex Podcast. Uh, Amy, and, Amy and I chatted uh, the other day remotely over the internet thing. I don't got to say anything more. Let's go talk to Amy Baldwin. No. Um, yeah, no, this was post-college. She moved to Santa Cruz uh, when I was 20. She was 21. We got a job working in the restaurant industry at the same place. Oh, I was already working there. She got hired. Uh, I was the probably the first friend that she met in Santa Cruz, and we instantly bonded. I was already on the path to... I was going to school for psychology and human sexuality and was going to open up a sex shop here in Santa Cruz and uh, became BFFs. And I'm the one that brought her into the industry. So I brought her in working at our retail store, retail store as our manager. Uh, I gave her her first vibrator. I brought to her first trade shows. I introduced her to the first company that hired her, which was Fun Factory. But she didn't know like any of this stuff. Like she, 
she now, she seemed kind of yeah. like bright eyed and bushy tailed. Be like, what a vibrator? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What's this? Me? I could do this stuff. Yeah. Well, exactly. What's that yeah. like? What's that conversation like when you realize that your new BFF is like clueless on the sex stuff that you're not like studying and pursuing professionally? Uh, I mean, it was common that a lot of people are not on that path. So it's nothing new to me to see folks that are, or to befriend folks that are not there. What happens for me is uh, probably for you too, when we become friends with people or just meet strangers, all of a sudden we're talking about sex. It just happens. So, um, no, it was, it was an honor. It was an honor to bring her, uh, on this path and give her her first vibrator. And, um, she's just someone that I, I've always seen her potential. She's such, I mean, she's been on your podcast before I call her kind of like a social savant she's capable of learning about anything teaching anything uh she's just a powerful force so I just like I've always seen her potential and I was like oh we're gonna do things it's going to happen so yeah <laughs> you 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 looked at her like you know whatever many years ago and was like we're gonna start a little mini sex empire together. I can see it. Yes, <laughs> we knew. We knew. I mean, now I'm 35. So when I met her when I was 20, and we knew that we were always going to do some sort of big passion project. We just didn't know what it would be. Mm. Uh, it didn't come to us until we went on sex with Emily in 2016 and or 17, actually uh, early 2017, and that's when we knew what it would be. But we've been traveling on the road together, side by side, teaching about sex toys. I work for Uberlube. She works for. Uh, hot octopus and so we travel well right now we're not traveling because of covid but we've been you know side by side talking about sex toys for going on i don't know eight or nine years now so it's been quite a journey for us that's fantastic and a good time for me to say i'm chatting right now with amy baldwin the the other half of the shameless sex podcast and sex educator and a sex toy shop owner in in her own right <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yes, that's me. I have lots of titles. <laughs> Wait, do you remember what the sex toy was you gave her? Yes, it was actually so interesting. It was made by Fun Factory, who later hired her like two or three years later. Uh, and it was called the Laya Spot, L-A-Y-A. They still make it. And it's a revamped version, but it's an external clitoral vibe that's good for couples play. Um, and I was like, this is a good starter sex toy for you. Since then, Wait, is that the one that looks evolved. like a little alien with that holds open the lips? Is it that one? No, it's no. I know what you're talking about. It's like a bug. No, that's yeah, uh, that one I don't that's understand. That's by Dame. <laughs> I'm too scared yeah, to try that's that my one. Dame. <laughs> you know, I haven't even tried that. Oh, no, maybe I have once. But um, no, the Laya spot is one that contours the pubic bone. Uh, so it's a part that goes on the clitoris and then a part that goes up kind of on the mons, you know, mons pubis over the uh, pubic region or pubic hair if you have pubic mm-hmm. hair and you hold it in place. So you can still do couples play and have someone laying on top of you or you on your stomach. Uh, and yeah, now she's a magic wand girl. So I don't have anything to do with that. <laughs> a magic wand brat. <laughs> Okay, yeah, I feel like that's a very yes. particular time. Power was- <laughs> queen. <laughs> Power queen. Yeah. Love that. Well, uh-huh. what was your introduction to sexuality? Your home space seems very open. Yes. Oh, I live in Santa Cruz, everyone. So Santa Cruz is known to be a little more progressive. Santa Cruz, California, um, raised by a very, I would say, um, fiscally conservative Republican father who, but is, is open-minded about, uh, sex, drugs and rock and roll. Um, and, but uh, in, when it comes to all other aspects of politics is a different perspective. Um, but so he, he didn't talk to me about sex. He actually, 
I, you know, when I was a teenager, I'd have partners over and I could do whatever I want. You know, I could be in the room with my boyfriend and he was never like, oh, I need to meet. He didn't care, um, which there's a beauty to it. I had a lot of freedom. That was wonderful. Um, but the downfall was that he uh, he didn't care. And, you know, we kind of want them to care. Like, we want them to still show up for us and have, you know, as, so it, so I had this mixed bag with him where I knew sex wasn't shameful because I was allowed to do it. But it's I like, didn't shame have me a little figure. bit, just like a little. Yeah. 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 Or just, <laughs> like a I also amount. wanted a father figure. Yeah. You want him to, you still want him to, like, show that he really cares and is concerned for my well being. My dog's squeaking in the background. Right. Sorry. Um, so there was that. So I developed daddy issues, uh, but more so around the emotional side of sex. My mom is the very different, very progressive, very uh, open-minded, uh, talked to me about sex, not about pleasure, but about safety. Uh, before I was sexually active, she told me that uh, whenever I want to get put on uh, birth control, I uh, could just come to her. And... I knew from a young age that she was an ally and a supporter and that sex was normal and okay and that I wasn't going to be kicked out of my family for it. And um, and so I uh, – but still because pleasure wasn't the conversation and obviously we know that the school system doesn't talk about that. I still made a lot of errors around uh, pleasure, but I made a lot of really great choices around safety um, with you know STIs and safer sex uh, and made errors there too. Um, because I am a woman and I'm a product of this this culture that really doesn't preach um, agency, I think, for women's sexual pleasure. What was like the talks about, say, I mean, and it's not like we were using this language as much back then, but what was the talks about like consent and bodily autonomy like growing up? I don't think I really got a lot of it. Um, I was not a masturbator as a kid, so I was never caught masturbating and told that, yeah, that's normal and okay and just do it behind closed doors. Um, I I think I, I have this memory of being really young and being so interested in the smell of my, my vagina and my vulva. And I'm, I don't know, I'm like five. I'm like, well, this is such, and I kind of liked it. I, the smell of it. I was like, well, this is so interesting. wonder what my mom thinks about it. And so instead of asking her, I just like touched my, my vulva and I went up to her. I'm like, mom, smell this. <laughs> and her, her response was a little bit like, I think she knew what was up and she was a little bit, she actually, I think it, now that I look back at it, it maybe was a little shaming because she didn't actually outright say uh, acknowledge what it was and like well that's normal for you to be interested in about in this part of you and it was more like uh she was a little not repulsed but thrown off and i was like ah this is bad i shouldn't talk about this and like no one wants to know what this is i'm just not i'm not going to talk about when it when really again. the lesson there is uh we just don't <laughs> shove our fingers in people's faces like that's that, that was the true lesson to learn not that your vulva but, was yeah. shameful <laughs> <laughs> but I'm a kid. I'm five. I didn't know that yet. I didn't know that for that part of it yet. And I was like, this is this smells good to me. Maybe she'll like it too. I don't know. <laughs> and I mean, now we know. We know in the sex ed world, we know that you know when when kids show their interest in their bodies, what is most helpful to create you know healthy uh, adults and their relationship to their bodies and their sexuality is to normalize it and give permission while educating them on safety and consent so I didn't con get consent from my mom I just put some fingers in her face <laughs> and and I think the, the way would have been for her 
to say, you know, it's completely normal for you to have this interest in your body and your body is, you know, it's sacred or it's, you know, this is, this is fine. Like you, you're obviously curious about this and, you know, other people might not want to smell this from your body. And um, so this is just something for you and mm-hmm. for you to explore behind closed doors in your bedroom. So, yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> when you're home, you can sniff away. At school, please. Yeah. I don't need that phone call. Yeah. <laughs> no, they're like, oh shit, she did it again. <laughs> Wait, you're, uh, and, and those, those childhood like self discovery stuff is so odd. Like, I think someone, uh, I think someone asked me like a few weeks ago, like, what was the first like sex toy? I like, what was the first object that I used as a sex toy? Cause like when you're a kid, you probably don't have access to sex toys. You just find stuff in the house. So like for me, it was like Sharpie markers. And like, I think this, uh, I think the handle of a plunger. Cause like, I think I was curious about butt stuff when I was like in grade school, early high school and not like understanding what that was, but I just knew that, like, oh, that feels good. Oh, it's a, the Sharpie. It's a lot smoother than a pencil. So that's use that. Right. So I was like, I don't know. Like, did, were, did you ever like makeshift sex toys out of home objects? I, okay, first of all, I'm glad that your ass didn't soak, to just absorb that Sharpie, but oh. way, not anal safe. But yeah, yeah, no flared base. <laughs> now you like, know. That is a, whew, that, I was really no lucky. No flared base on a Sharpie. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I actually w- wish I was more of a masturbator when I was younger. I um, You explore more of like the smell of it or different sensations, um, but never, uh, not never, but didn't really dive deep into like, you know, humping my teddy bear my dog so he does this thing where he chews his back foot like it's his best friend he's like he's having a dog gasm right now oh, um, oh he's wait so anyways. wait the chewing the leg is a good or bad because i i hear that i think he's biting it going ow that hurts and then doing it over and over again no it's more like he's feeling pleasure and joy is having a good time right now i don't know like it, there's something erotic going on yeah that's <laughs> Oh, that's something. To look it usually at. gets inspired. At, so he usually does it. I can show you right now. Sure. He actually usually does it and then humps his dog bed. He's humping his dog bed now. <laughs> <laughs> you can see him. My dog is a very sexual being. <laughs> you picked the All right, right one. <laughs> so, yes, he's yeah. Um, so, anyways, I think it's really great for. I think um, when young people explore their bodies and understand what feels good, like you exploring butt stuff, I think it helps. As long as people aren't shaming you along the way, it helps you to develop into an adult who knows what you like and um i for some reason more explored like the functions of my body as opposed to the pleasure uh i remember being a young teen and starting i was when i was 10 i had rape fantasies for the first time watching an episode of melrose place and seeing a rape scene uh and i was i've never been raped i've uh had you know uh coercion before and had done things that i wasn't enjoying it didn't say no but um it didn't come from a place of a lot of a sexual abuse and trauma um but i was turned on by it and so there's no like real background story as do you to remember why like happened. what the thoughts in your head were of like like were you seeing that in melrose place and going like that's hot or like or she seems really desired by that guy like do you remember like kind of like what that was about at that young age i think 
I think at 10, it's more so that I feel a thing in my body. And I don't know why, but it feels good. And so I felt a turn on and pleasure. And then I would play with that fantasy after that. Um, I would just play with it in my head, not touching my body, though, at the same time. I would, like, walk around in my backyard. We had this big backyard that was like a vegetable garden uh, jungle. And um, I would tell stories in my head about uh, rape, about being forced into something sexual. But it was always with someone that I wanted to have sex with. Or, you know, so it was never like, I mean, it's not something I've actually wanted to. um, I haven't even been interested in acting out uh, rape and role play at this point. But um, I did grow up to be some Someone who does like being in a submissive role does enjoy being dominated by a strong male figure, but I identify that as being related to my daddy issues as opposed to uh, yeah to something that is based on on trauma. So and and I I felt in my early teens, you know, at thirteen, I did felt horniness, you know, arousal and desire, but I explored it more with like taking a shower and making out with a shower wall. I don't think I've ever said this to anyone before. Wait, I used wait, to wait, ma- wait. tell can stories. You say, can you say that? <laughs> wait, you you made out with the shower wall? Yes, a- I would do this often. Amy, often. Amy, I would <laughs> I also made out with the shower wall as a kid. Oh my I god, maybe we were god. making out with each other from I, afar. <laughs> I don't I haven't remembered or thought about this fucking ever until you just said I it. I know, I was like, me either. <laughs> Wait, is that what I was doing? Because I'd have my like tongue up on the thing, at, on the on the wall being like, this feels a rot, this feels good. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Oh my yeah, God. it was like a practice ground for like living out some sort of fantasy and with showers your own private space and I would like live it out and, and take this long shower and like make out with the shower wall as if it was a human and um and and yeah oh my god I can't believe we share that and I can't believe that I haven't talked about it since then and you're just remembering I I, I I'm gonna have to journal after this podcast <laughs> you know this but, is a therapy session everyone it, it, you know it's a podcast therapy same thing uh it, you know it is interesting because like I even still today like I don't make out with the wall today you know, unless I'm feeling frisky, but like, I, I don't do that, but I do like the sensation of pressing my like face, like the side of my face up against the wall as if I'm being pressed against it. That feels really good for me. Cause it almost feels like I'm being taken in the shower. Like some, like, and, and, you know, I'll do it sometimes with like my girlfriend where like, if she's doing stuff with me in the shower, you know, I'll, I'll push my own face up against it. She won't take the hint, but, uh, like as, as, even if I'm like alone, I'll be like, it feels good to be pressed against something kind of cold and sleek. I don't know what it is. Yeah, yeah. There's a nice, there's a nice pressure there, and and yeah, it, it's it was, it's a good, and it's private time. Yeah, you know, it's a private time exploration, right? And it's different from making out with like the wall in your bedroom. For some reason, that never seemed desirable. No. It was like, and also you're naked, and there's yeah, there's something about it that just kind of sets everything's that up wet. And, um, yeah, yeah, everything's wet. So I think that was more of my own personal erotic exploration had less to do with touching my genitals for pleasure and more about uh, uh, using my body and, and leave, living out kind of like some role play. At that point, I don't think I'd ever even made out with anyone, but I was I was playing around with a wall. But when you're a kid, you're like your imagination is fucking going wild. And so why wouldn't it also go in this like erotic direction? I mean, like I was a kid, I would always pretend I was like in my own TV show or like I was, you know, the star of something happening or I would act out some whatever fun thing in the backyard or 
I'd be in the shower, like kind of pretending I'm making out with the cute girl in math class, you know, like except it's yeah. the shower wall. Holy shit. Uh, but w- w- well, when did you yeah. like finally start to discover masturbation since you weren't one of the, uh, the early adopters? I- I I went in a, a, a kind of a weird route that um, I won't say I have regrets over, but I think that if I had had pleasure education at a younger age, it, it would have I would have gone a different route because the first routes that we go do they do set defaults, you know, strong neural pathways in our brains about how we uh, receive pleasure, and so I, I started to be sexually active more so. Like I'm not when I say sexually active, making out wasn't really a part of. I don't put that in that category, but like when regards to my genitals being touched or touching other genitals or genital and genital touch, um, more so 15 and 16. And um, the, my first couple sexual partners, they never went down on me. They kind of finger banged me. Fucking hate that term. Finger but that's bang. what it felt like. Great. It's a great term for it. The first time my, my, my pussy got touched was um, with this guy that I wasn't even into, but my girlfriends were hooking up with other guys. So I just went with it. And uh, he lit and the, the song, You and Me Baby Ain't Nothing But Mammals, so Let's Do It Like They Do on the Discovery Channel, was mm. playing on the background. The bad PTSD, touch. yo. And I hear that. I mean, I'm like, the, ti- ah! the title of the song is The Bad Touch. Like it couldn't be more of an yeah. omen. <laughs> I know. Oh my god! And it was, and um, and I think that itself set a, a default in, in my brain. Um, and that and that that pleasure maybe isn't is not, uh, or that touch of my pussy isn't enjoyable. And then my first sexual partners, um, I would go down on them, or we would have penetrative sex, but they never went down on me. I didn't know how to ask for it. They didn't offer it. Um, and then when people started to go down on me, very, I was very squeamish and uncomfortable. It took me years uh, to overcome that, and still can be a barrier to this day. Um, and so I didn't start actually masturbating until 18, um, explore with my fingers and hands a little bit. I'd already had sex maybe four people didn't really feel a lot with my hands, um, ordered a vibrator from uh, another local sex shop here in Santa Cruz, a shitty rubber jelly one that, uh, kind of made my pussy burn and didn't get me off. And I was like, all right, maybe I'll get a different one. I'll get a different one. For some reason I figured out that I should order this, um, external vibe that's still on the market it's called the water dancer and it's a one speed kind of like a pocket rocket Mm. small powerful vibrator and while and i had a boyfriend at the time and while i had already had sex with three three four different people and i had a regular partner at that time i never had an orgasm and i had my first orgasm this very powerful one speed vibrator and i squirted i ejaculated my first orgasm i was like ah what's this and but i knew I knew, I knew what this was, and um, little did I know, my mom is kind of a squirter. Her mom was a squirter. We have a family of squirters. And, um, <laughs> I come from a long genetic- line of squirters. Yeah, yeah. Apparently, it's genetic, and um, no, it's not. I don't know. If, I I'm mean, not gonna say it's actually why, genetic. Why but- <laughs> do you know that your mom and your grandma were squirters? Well, my mom and I eventually opened a sex shop together. Okay, that so one's fair. Sorry, your mom. The- that one's fair. But like, how do you? Yeah. Why do you? Why yeah. do either of you know that your grandma was a squirter? She, I, so her, so what's, it's okay. This is the interesting part about my lineage. My grandfather, her dad, a Jewish man who's very chauvinistic, um, was a TV repair man. And when porn was illegal, he sold porn on the black market oh, on VHS. Got you the good channel. And so, so he, and so he was actually very open to talking about sex and her mom, his wife was a very, um, 
God, uh, just unempowered woman. She never learned how to drive, swim, or ride a bike. And um, they had One a lot of sex. One of those is essential to that. not dying. Yeah, those are very important things to know. Like you some can't point. vote, and you can't you can't drive, and you can't do. That. But you, we gotta teach you how to swim, just in case. You got you got. I mean, just so you can at least learn some skills in this world. But so she just. So I don't think my mom's mom told her I'm a squirter. Her dad was very open to talking about sex, and I think that she learned more so from him. I could be wrong. I should probably do more research about that. But you know, his later years in life, when he was losing his hearing, he still had those. VHSs and he watched them on the big screen TV on like cranked up volume. And my mom, my mom would walk in, she's like, Dad, the neighbors. And he just watched porn like with his wife there. What? My mom walking in. What? Yeah. No, it's the double <laughs> anal scene. No, Amy. Ew, it's the double anal. And, yeah and then and when he um and he would ask her to my mom he'd be like do you want any of these these vhs's do you like anything what are you into girl on girl <laughs> so, amazing this is my up this is my this is my grandfather everyone well well i want to talk about you and your mom in a minute because like that was when april told me that i was like i'm fascinated uh why am i not staying here longer to, to talk more about it uh but a quick question like i very frequently think like i would very much enjoy like a day or maybe even like a week with a vagina and a vulva and all the fun gadget preferably not without not with the horrors of society that come with it but like hey if that's what it comes with it comes with but um you know you're talking about finger blasting and i go like what does it feel like when you're being fingered badly like does it just feel like there are fingers inside you or does it feel like what is like how bad or whatever is that feeling i i would say if you took your own fingers and just started poking at your taint and your asshole uh with or without Lou, but just kind of poking and prying like you didn't you didn't really know what you were doing you were not paying attention to the response of the person there was no communication you know you weren't necessarily going slow and like feeling the texture of the the skin and all those things it would feel similar to that it's just someone kind of like jabbing at you in a in a little bit of an irritating way in a very vulnerable place and you're just and you just lay there and you are just watching him fumble with it like like Will Hunting, go Will yeah. Hunting when he like burns that that one formula or that he worked on. He's like, you see this? This is so fucking easy for me. I can't w- sit here and watch you all fuck this up. Except it's like your yeah. pussy. Um, <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. That sounds and then, horrid. You know, and you're 13 and no one told you. And you know, you didn't know about the pleasure right. that you could advocate for. And, and you didn't, you just, you know, didn't know and and you know with someone who also has daddy issues and is is a, a caretaker of um not just men's emotional state not that they make me do that but it's, it's a socially constructed thing that i've that i've learned and that i work with you know it it was just scary it was scary to say like oh that actually doesn't feel good all my girlfriends are hooking up with your friends but i uh, i'm gonna be the girl to like say no and then sit alone in the corner and so it's just it's a weird setup that we live in that is yeah unfortunate i think and when did you finally learn that you're allowed to feel good during sex I started to when I, uh, you know, I think when I was 18 and had um, a consistent boyfriend who cared, um, and, but I still had my own barriers and and, uh, and trauma to overcome there, but someone who cared. And Isn't it crazy that that's pleasure. the first barrier 
to like having a partner who wants to get you off. First, they just have to care, and that's not even yeah. the f- half of it. They, they, it's not even bringing in technique or anything. That's just like you have to give a shit to try, and that's hard yeah. apparently to find from what you, I'm told. Yeah. They- <laughs> It's crazy. They have to show that it's not all about them, that they care about your pleasure and your joy. And in fact, what's even better is not that they just care, that they get turned on by it, that they value it, that they want to take their time, that it's not all about them. And like if they're doing a good job or their orgasm and their pleasure and they're more like, I really genuinely care about your pleasure. I'm not going to rush anything. I'm going to take my time with you. Um, I can't say that every partner has been that. And I, it, for me, it's always been kind of like two steps forward, one step back along the journey of learning a lot more. But I would say the, the lesson started about uh, advocating for my pleasure and having better sex when I was 18, but didn't get really um, solidified until probably, I don't know, probably <laughs> my late 20s. Um, through a lot of trial and error and uh, and also a lot of education, you know, becoming a why the reason why I became a sex educator was because I didn't get this thing. It was like people talk about sex as feeling really good and you know, so it's easy to have these orgasms and like, but my body isn't working that way and I have these people that want to pleasure me, but it's just I half the time it feels like someone's just kind of poking at me and um and so like I wanna learn about this stuff because it's very confusing. Well, so you were the you were the sex so educator who like wasn't having great sex herself, but was still trying to help other people have good sex. Wow. Well, then how did you? So, well, so I be- how, yeah, I became that. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so now, how do we get to the point where you opened a sex toy shop with your mother? Well, one fine day. So I went to school for psychology and human sexuality because I was already saying I had all these questions. And I already had a knack for talking really openly about sex and relationships with people. I've always been one to... um I think own more of my vulnerability about the things that we don't usually talk about. And then the as a caretaker, caregiver type, um, the person that people go to for support. And, um, and so I went to school in San Francisco for psychology and human sexuality. And we went on a field trip there one day to Good Vibrations, the local sex positive sex shop. They now have like 15 stores across the country. And my mom was looking for a business investment at that time and she wanted to do something that empowered women because her mom was such an unempowered woman um, and she had inherited a little money when her parents passed and she wanted to put that into a um, some sort of business. And so I saw Good Vibrations and I called her and I was like, and my mom and I already had this very open relationship to talk about um, everything. Um, and I said, mom, this is, I remember exactly where I was when I called her. I was like, mom, this is what we should do. We should open up a sex shop and it's educational based. We do classes weekly. Uh, we, we sell sex toys, but our employees are educators and we're helping people have better sex and relationships. And at first she was like, uh, really? Me working in a sex shop? And I was like, well, no, I'll work in the shop. You'll be behind closed doors. And, um, and she, we started working on the concept. We worked on it for two years. And he, okay, so here's the coolest part right. for you, by the way. This is my, my oh, weird like fucking life. Like we it's make not it. cool enough as is. <laughs> here's the sitcom that we could create or uh, some sort of drama. So we open, we decide we're going to open the sex shop. We work on it for two years. We go out to dinner one night and we hadn't found a place to sign a lease yet for the shop. We see a for rent sign across the street and it's next to this family dentistry um, that this guy I went to high school owns. Or, sorry, his family owns it. Um, so we uh, approach them and we're like, it's, they're the landlords. They're not going to want a sex shop next to their family dentistry. They were, we had a whole business plan printed out. They were like, yeah. 
we want this. Yeah, go ahead. And they, they instantly were like, yeah, let's sign the lease. We signed the lease. Their son is the finger banger. Oh. The, the, their son. Did you know that right guy. away? Or did you? Fu- oh, I, I knew. <laughs> I knew. And I was like, how fucking weird is this? That the people that are landlords for our sex shop that's promoting education and sex positivity are the parents of the guy that first touched my pussy and poked and prodded at it into the you and me, baby, ain't nothing but mammals. Let's do it like they do in the Discovery Channel. <laughs> oh, were you just sitting there like in the negotiations being like, you guys fucking owe me for the bad fingering <laughs> yeah. I got. Yeah, yeah. You you owe me for this shit. And um and what's interesting is they were they were the best landlords ever. They're you know, for we had we were in that location for maybe eight or nine years. But guess what? I'm gonna add to this. He I'm not gonna out him too much, but he uh he graduated from school and started to help out with the family business. The first thing he did in helping out the family business was try to up our rent times times three. And I was like, oh, my God, he's fucking me again. <laughs> Just spread him out and be like, hey, if you can make me come right now, fine. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I'll pay you. I'll pay you. But what ended up happening was we ended up being like, all right, fuck you. This is our excuse to get out of here. Your parents are awesome. You're not that great. And we actually found an even better location with better landlords. Um, and uh, yeah, so. <laughs> the audacity that that man has what a weird life (laughs) so uh, so it's been you said like how long have you guys had the the shop open now so we so this is the another uh, part of it so we got very very lucky we sold the retail store in october uh, which is so great because there's covid and being in retail and having a storefront right now is very very challenging um Here's another beauty. I have all these serendipitous, you know, synchronicity things. We sold the store to Good Vibrations, who oh. was our original inspiration for opening. They went around which is buying so cool. all sorts of stuff. They bought Babeland. They all yep. spending spree yep. over we there. Have a, we have a very close personal relationship with the owner. Uh, and we I had already stepped away from working in the retail store because I went on to become a sex educator, sex and relationship coach and a podcast. So to work be... Working in the retail store just felt kind of funky. Uh, we have you know fans and they come in. It's just um, and I was burnt out. And my mom is still working there and running it. And she hit a point of just being really exhausted by that. And um, we uh, we put it out there that we were selling. And the owner of Good Vibrations, who is the original inspiration for opening Pure Pleasure, purchased it. So a beautiful full, full circle. And um, we were really grateful for that. And on and I'm so grateful that we don't own a retail storefront, but we do own the website still so purepleasureshop.com we still own and if you go on there everyone you get 15 percent off with coupon code shameless sex and all your sex toys um and so still own and run by my mother and i and um and that's been great you know i wear all these little hats in the sex industry or the human sexuality realm and um but working on retail floor is done thank the lord sweet baby jesus uh, were there any particular struggles you had uh running a business with your mother I mean, it doesn't, you know, sex toy shop or not, like just running a business with family f- sounds uh, extra stressful. I have to say, uh, my mom in particular um, is probably the best business partner I could have ever asked for. One, because she, we have the unconditional love. Uh, we also have this tr- deep trust with each other because 
you know, we're family. Not all family members have that with each other, but we certainly do. And we had our different roles there and we both, um, you know, showed up and we took a lot of pride in it and a lot of care because it was our livelihood, hers and mine. And um, it's probably the best business arrangement anyone could ask for. You know, if it was a romantic partner, that's hard because you have all these projections on your romantic partner, a best friend or just, uh, you know, a colleague um, that can get really messy too. And um, I, owning it with my mom was the best choice I we both ever um, ever made. It worked out really well. We uh, knew how know how to communicate with each other. We know how to forgive. We know how to. When I'm a little bratty asshole of a kid, I can be like, "Mom, I'm sorry. I was being a little bitch." And uh, <coughs> yeah, and then we it helped us to um, open up more about sexuality with each other. And it's what's interesting is like in the mother daughter relationship talking about sex, I think there's often a lot more room, at least for us, Mm. for me to talk openly about sex with her. She could talk openly, but there was a fine line, right? She could talk about sex with her partner and like, yeah, we, I have good orgasms. But one time she was like, you know, when you have sex so much that you're, you're raw. And I was like, Oh no, too far. Too far. Yeah. Can't, yeah. Can't go there. Mom's talking about sex and raw in the same sentence. Like mom, you can talk about sex, but like, please just, that the details about like the texture of your skin and the rawness just no. So so at ManhorCon 2019, uh, R.I.P. ManhorCon 2020. By the way, fuck. Uh, but and so at the last ManhorCon, there was one of the events was meet Billy's mom Q and A, an opportunity for like fans of the show to ask her why I am this way, you know. <laughs> and she starts it by saying, before anyone's asked a question, this is. She's just like, Billy, I'd really like to share this one story, if you don't mind. And then, like, totally, I'll take questions. I'm like, great. Now, my mother has never talked about her own sex life explicitly. She got divorced, like, right after uh, – finally divorced right after I graduated uh, college. She had some boyfriends during the various separations in high school and such. But I've never re- heard my mom refer to her sex life using explicit – like, she's never mentioned her giving a blowjob. She has never even referenced her children's blowjobs, although she'll make like innuendos about things. But she's never like made blow said the word blowjob in connection to anything that's like personal or connected. So she sits down and she's talking about the day she told my father that she was pregnant with me. And she was like, um, and it's something to do with like, and uh, I was on my period. So we were like not having sex because your father was not into that. And I'm like, it's been 12 seconds. Why am I hearing about period sex <laughs> from mom already? And then she's like, and then, you know, I went out uh, and then I started, you know, dating again. I found that there are some men who are like really into that. I'm like, oh, fuck. Okay. Uh, who's got a question? But she's not done. And then just uh, she she shared with my dad that she was pregnant with me, you know, their first child. And because they weren't having sex, she says that um, he got the best blow job of his life that day. <laughs> And I'm like, and I'm sitting there at like three in the afternoon in front of like listeners of my show, not knowing what the fuck to do. I have interviewed some of like, like my exes. I've interviewed women who are not happy with me in this world. And, uh, and, and that was the most uncomfortable. I think I've been in like a sort of interview style setup. Uh, uh, yeah, there's, there's boundaries and I don't know where they are. And if anyone thinks it's sexist, I'll be like, you know what? My dad never talks about his sex life and I'm good with that. I'm fine. Just keep it that way. Um. There's something about us. Like, I mean, I think that there's about kids not wanting to sexualize their parents. And and I think even parents not wanting to sexualize their kids is a thing, 
too. Um, and as open-minded as we are, there, I, as someone who doesn't buy into a lot of that stuff, I still am a product of this world. And so to sexualize my mom um, in you as someone who I don't think I, I don't think I ever heard my parents have sex. I've heard my mom have sex with various partners later on in life. And it, and it wasn't never weird for me. It was like, Oh, it's my mom like going for it right now. But um, <laughs> so I'm very uh, open minded in that sense, but there is a line still, there is still a line there where, you know, there are parents. So. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. And I, but I also wonder if like, if talking about pleasure, earlier like what what you said your mom was open about sex from a safety angle and like we didn't really talk about sex my my talk was my dad at like 15 tried to talk to me about sex and he just said and i had to keep interrupting him because i was like so not able to talk to girls that was embarrassing that he was like raising the prospect of someone maybe want to have sex with me so he's just like wear a condom and he left the room that was it and so i wonder if like talking about pleasure earlier would make those stories as adult hearing them as adults not as much a big deal because like we had already been socialized by our parents that sex is not a big deal because i don't get that way with my sisters so you know but i do with my like my mom I think that's, yeah, I think there's so truth to that. And especially if you heard about pleasure from that person, from your parent who is talking about it. And you, you know, you, your parent going up to their kid and they're, I think when my mom asked me if I wanted to get on birth or, or not that I wanted to, is that when I, when I became sexually active that I could come to her, I was still like, shut up, mom. I didn't say shut up. I was like, I don't, la, 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 you know, I don't want to talk about this. And she gave me the book, Our Bodies, Ourselves. And I just was like, I don't, I don't want this. And I looked at it every day, you know, so we, kids still are going to show up with that discomfort. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to talk about it. It doesn't mean that, that parents shouldn't still offer up those conversations over and over and over again. Um, and that you can talk about it with kids and they might not engage and they may not, um, have response they may say i don't want to hear about it. i don't want to hear about it but they're listening they're taking it in and that could still have an impact so yeah i think that if there would have been conversations about pleasure um, and by the way my mom is like the best mom a, a girl could ask for and you know a parent is perfect and um and so at, at any rate I, yeah i wonder what that'd be like to hear her talk about pleasure and orgasm um and how, what, how that would have shaped me one as a sexual being and two my capacity to see her as a sexual being later on do you find uh were there things in in owning the sex toy shop together that you have learned from each other? Did you learn something about sexuality from mom that you didn't learn growing up that you did in the business? Did she learn something from you? You think, uh, you know, since you were more like trained in sexuality, I think I taught her a lot about um, about. I mean, I was the one that was the educator that did a lot of this this the schooling. You know, I went to school to learn all about sexuality and how to talk about it with uh, non-judgment and all the the terms and the inclusivity and gender pronouns and the variations and diversity of sexuality um, and sex toys and all these different things. And so I was the one that was bringing in more of that education to her and um, yeah I think that my mom along the way definitely taught me some things but I can't think of like the exact messages of what that was but I think that our dynamic in particular being unconventional non-conventional unconventional not unconventional um I think and I taught just these experiences I had just constantly taught me that there's not one way to be there is no normal that 
We get to make our own rules. I mean, my mom, when we opened the sex shop, she had dated men her whole life. She was my dad for 17 years, probably should have got divorced before I was even born um, and got engaged to two different men later on in life. And then three years into the sex shop, maybe four years, she's like, I'm going to date women and started dating the ladies. She has her second girlfriend now. They've been together for like three or four years. They live together. And so she taught me from witnessing her about how, how fluid orientation is and sexuality is and that by being exposed to more uh, open-minded or I guess opportunities to diversity and sexuality that you could actually change or, um, or tap into something deeper in yourself that you thought wasn't part of you, you know, her, her fluidity. Um, so yeah, I think witnessing her and her journey showed me more about that, that like we have the ability to make our own rules. Some people such as myself, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty straight. Um, it very much into the cock and, uh, and always have been. Uh, but I, I understand that that could change, right. That I have had moments where that's shifted. And I'm like, Whoa, like I'm having a, a PG 13 foursome with like, uh, two Volvo owners here and someone's making out with my armpit and I don't, I'm ticklish. I don't even like that, but I'm turned on right now. So we're, we're, we are more, um, shiftable, shapeable than we think we are. Um, and we don't have to be, it doesn't mean we have to do all the things, but we can. And if we want to, have you been with women sexually? Yeah, it's usually more like a research project, um, especially <laughs> opening a, se- a sex shop. I uh, It's kind of similar to like uh, hooking up with a guy I'm not that attracted to for me. Um, it, even like really you know attractive women, I've um, I've explored that more so. Like again, opening a sex shop, being like, well, you know, I'm, I'm gonna, I want to try these things. I obviously now I'm more tapped into that world. And I, I have never had a sexual experience. I'm sorry, that's not true. Um, I my first couple of sexual experiences, women always had a man involved. There's actually one man that was always there for those those threesomes, mm-hmm. um, and it's just a friend. And um, and it just always felt like I was doing it to for research slash for the male gaze um, in those experiences. And then so I committed to not exploring it for those reasons later. Um, and then I have had that a pleasurable experience with uh, vulva owning humans um, in that PG thirteen foursome, and uh, but there was a man there too, and I was much more into his touch, the one that was mm-hmm. making out with my armpit. Um, and at that point, it was interesting. My sexual sexuality had been turned off for two and a half years, and that experience actually brought it back. Um, and and there was one of the vulva owners was uh, sticking f- her fingers in my mouth, and like she was in a very dominant way while this man's making out my armpit, and I'm like screaming and moaning because it feels so good. And she turns over and holds my face and just kisses me very dominantly, and I was it was super uh, hot. I didn't leave it thinking. I want to be with women now or I'm just, I'm attracted to women. I leave left it thinking, wow, I am so, so I am so shiftable and shapeable. And just when I get in my own way thinking I'm Amy, who's straight and doesn't like (laughs) being tickled. And then I have this most powerful sexual experience making out with a woman and having a man make out with my armpit. Gosh, what? How incredible is that to be shown that I just get in my own way when I get stuck in my beliefs? Mm-hmm. Well, in those first few times, in those early threesomes, like when you would end up being with, like uh, interacting with the with the other woman, you know, was there any sort of like mind fuck in your head of like questioning your sexuality? Be like, oh my god, what does this mean now? Or, or was it? 
It was no, yeah, I don't think so. I don't think there was like a judgment on it. Again, I owned a sex shop, and uh, one of those experiences was in the sex shop. It was like, <laughs> nice. hey, let's all wait, let's play with some toys here in the sex shop. Um, so no, I wasn't afraid of what it would would maybe inspire me to shift into. But it was more like, um, I just don't really. feel feel a lot i'm like waiting for pleasure and arousal to come and i just am not really it's like being numb Mm. pretty much you know it's it's and i same thing when i'd have sexual experiences with men i was not attracted to or when there wasn't a connection there or you know partners where my my sex drive turned off for based on trauma or various reasons and then we'd still be intimate and it's like my heart and my mind are here and wants to be with this person but my pussy and a lot of my body are offline and it always just felt like that so maybe and a part of me is like maybe it just hasn't been the right woman i'm open to all of this it's anything is possible that's very cool. Yeah, I think there's a lot of people, myself included, who kind of can be stuck in the ways of like or the beliefs of like who we are. You know, like I used to be a guy who like I do not eat fish, and then you know, like girlfriend introduced me to a fish I like, and I'm like, hi, hey, you know, sometimes I have fish. It's uh, it's okay. It's not the end of the world. Not, yeah, that that fish is good. Oh, I didn't even I know. know. Yeah, yeah, it was something like that. But like, you know, I think about like, oh, like, yeah, I get like, there's opportunity if I wanted to, but I go like, oh, I don't know, is that gonna? I'm very neurotic. Like, I could see myself walking around in circles in my room for five hours, being like, what does that mean? I don't know what was that say about me now. Do I have to change the things? I oh shit, I gotta buy a flag. It's like I, you know, that's why I go like, I <laughs> your fish flag, <laughs> my fish flag. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's got uh, rainbow colors on it. Uh, <laughs> I'm declaring I'm a pescatarian. So yeah, no, it, uh, <laughs> it's very strange. But yeah, it's okay. That's cool. And then, um, and then you you run the the sex toy shop still, and you're doing the sex educating, and you know. What's that practice like during COVID? Like, uh, you know, you, I guess you must be doing digital workshops. Yeah, I, um, you know, I taught sex ed in person for, you know, over 10 years um, at Pure Pleasure, but also at other retail stores around the country. Um, and were so, you, and were I thought, all... were you a hand for hire? Is that okay? Hi. I'm going to cut that. I was, I'm a, I'm my classes, you can totally, you can keep that in there. I'm open. Uh, no, I, uh, my, my, my classes are always more playful and, and, uh, educational and like informative as opposed to, um, I was not naked and touching genitals or my own genitals. I had like pussy puppets and things mm-hmm. like that. Um, I was already, I wasn't stepping away from that, but that was something that, um, I was doing less and less when I started doing the coaching. So I work with clients, gotcha. uh, privately and a lot of it was in person, but a lot of it has already before COVID was already online because I work with a lot of people via them finding me on, on the podcast and the podcast is global. Um, so I was already doing that. So that hasn't changed. Um, I now maybe do occasional sex ed workshop online, but it's not my main jam. Um, and neither is coaching. Coaching to me feels more like a service that I, I like to do with people. Um, my main thing that I do as a the lead educator for Uberlube, I've been that for eight years. I've been the face of their brand. Big and, fan, big fan of the Uberlube over here. You love it. We're, we're yes, fans at the Man Podcast. You, right? yeah. yeah, it's my preferred yes. brand. Yeah. <laughs> Good stuff. The best silicone you've ever used. Um, and I, my main 
job for them was to travel all over the country and go to retail stores to sex shops and teach the staff about the product. So that's changed. But we are finding plenty of other things for Amy to do for Uberlube online. Um, and then there's the podcast, which yep. is already mostly just remote. And as you're seeing, we're all figuring out ways to just do it all online. So yeah, I wear a lot of little hats, but I'd say my main focus really is the podcast and uh, and supporting Uberlube. Yeah, Shameless Sex, uh, which I had a really fun episode of, uh, you know, a few months ago with, uh, we, I think we were talking about group sex and orgies and such. It was, uh, it was one of my favorites, by the way. I was just, I did an interview on, and I was just, uh, there's an article on Up Rocks that was just released, and they asked me for my top favorite episodes. And that was one that I quoted. That was the first one I said. Amy. And he said, the, the interviewer said, He's like, I heard that episode. He loved oh, it. Stop. Uh-huh. My head's yes. going to I've had explode. multiple people, multiple <laughs> people like, I love that episode. It's one, it one of our favorite episodes. It's so fun and informative and, and surprising in that way. Um, and so we were talking about what? Group sex, gang bangs, <laughs> orgies. Yeah. So uh, if you, if you, if you all want to want an episode to start with, you can go dig up mine or uh, any of them, I'm sure. Fantastic. But yeah. uh, uh, Amy, uh, where can people find you? Oh, also, uh, I've got my eye on the time. Do you, are you up for yes. like an extra like 10-ish minute uh, bonus episode? Yeah. For the awesome. So yeah, uh, totally. $5 and up, folks, you're going to hear that bonus episode tomorrow. But Amy, where can everybody go find you and your show? Everyone can go look up Shameless Sex on all of the apps, uh, Google Play, Spotify, iTunes. Just look up Shameless Sex Podcast. We're on there. You can go to Instagram and Facebook. We're on there, Shameless Sex Podcast. Uh, and then our website is shamelesssex.com. <clears throat> and all of our information is there. And Billy, I forgot to tell you, my uh, partner told me I'm supposed to tell you that he uh, thinks you're awesome and loves your Instagram. What? <laughs> This yeah. is too- yeah, I did, I hadn't even seen your Instagram. I looked. I was like, I see why he likes it. So yeah, he's a fan. This yeah. there's too many compliments <laughs> for one day. I I'm I'm overloaded. I'm overjoyed. Uh, uh, well, you're awesome. You deserve it. <laughs> well, Amy, why don't you go? Uh, we'll we'll go ahead and do the bonus up in a minute. But why don't you for now go ahead and say goodbye to everybody. Goodbye, everyone. Thank you for listening to me talk all about making out with walls and <laughs> rape fantasies <laughs> and uh, getting finger banged to a terrible song that I never want to hear ever again. <laughs> the Man War Podcast is sponsored by HotMovies.com. Try out some ethical paid-for porn for free with none of those hidden fees or secret subscriptions when you sign up at HotMovies.com and use the promo code MANHOR. The Shameless Sex Podcast. Oh, yeah. Go check out, you know, if you need an episode to start with, I highly recommend mine. It was a blast. But I hope you go follow Amy uh, and the show on all the things. Of course, you should by now be following me. Uh, I've got that Instagram thing you all seem to like so much. Follow me over there at Billy Is Prasita. I'm on Twitter at the Billy Prasita. And we've got the intern Sophia dropping hot fire memes on the Man Whore Podcast Facebook fan page. So go over there and smash that like button. And if you want to shoot me an email with your comments, let me know what you thought about this week's show. Did you love it? Did you hate it? Was it missing something you wanted? You can shoot me an email at manwhorepod at gmail.com. Tomorrow, I've got a bonus episode coming out with Amy Baldwin here uh, over on the Patreon. So that's going to be available to all of my $5 and up members at patreon.com slash manwhorepodcast. Enjoy Amy's bonus episode as well as over a hundred 
Man Whore Podcast bonus episodes right on over there. Um, everybody, you know, can you just please not be idiots like my, my neighbors who are having these parties uh, every fucking day without masks, with, with crowded groups? Can you not throw swinger parties for like a fucking minute? Can you just not be selfish and, and join the effort to fucking beat this thing? I'd really appreciate it. I would like to do live stand-up comedy again one day. Don't be selfish. Just stay slutty. Thank you.